In the previous year, share number three, I talked about the immortality of Torah. That if a Torah represents the will of a Baruch Hu, then it isn't bounded by this world or this realm. And it is an experience. It is the only experience that we know will extend, or the only experience from our realm which will extend into the next world, to the afterlife. And we talked about certain Mamari Chazal, which either allude to this or actually directly establish this. But if Torah is also the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then its relationship to our world and how our world or our universe was fashioned is also an important one. This is, of course, known in Kabbalah, in the Zohar, by the following phrase, Histakel Biaraisa Uvara Alma, HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked in the Torah and created the world, created the universe. And there are several Gemaros, or primarily Midrashim, which assert this from many different angles. The Medrash Tanchuma, in Parshas Vayelech, quotes two Psukim from Mishle, one from Paragimel, and one from Paraches. The first Parapasach from Paragimel, Hashem Bechachma Yasad Eretz, Hashem with his Chachma, established, founded, Yesod, the earth, then Chachmel This is a very general phrase about the role of Torah in establishing Le'ased, the Aretz. But the Medrash continues, Umashima, what is the name of Torah? Amon. Amon is more or less a teacher. La'amein is to teach, to train. There's a parallel Medrash in the beginning of Medrash Rabin Bereshis, which calls Torah several phrases. Amon, trainer, pedagogue, obviously from the same word that we take, pedagogue, pay dalad gimel, vav gimel. Torah is considered an amon. Then he quotes a pasuk in Mishlei, v'ayeh etzlo amon. And here the Medrash, Tanchum and Parshas Vayelech, elaborates. Lo nikreis Torah, ad shenitna b'sinai. Torah, as a word, only was articulated when the Torah was delivered at Har Sinai. The Arminian Hamitzvos Nikras Torah and Torah was, as we would call Torah, was was called Torah Taf Vav because it's more or less similar to Taryag. It's two off Torah six eleven. Ki Hamitzvos Shel Torah Heim Taryag. Namely, this Medrash in Vayelech attests to two different things. Number one, it attests to the value, the role of Torah before Har Sinai. Based on the two psukim, both the Pasuk in Mishle, Paragimel, the Pasuk in Mishle, Paraches, Paragimel, Yasad Eretz, Paraches, Paraches, Voye Etzlo Amon. To quote the parallel Medrash in Bracious Rabbah, Quoting the same pasuk in Mishlei, Vayetzlo Amon, Benoeg Shabaon, the Medr says, typically when a person builds, they don't just build um, without preparation, without consultation, without blueprints. The Medr talks about the builders who consult with the engineers, the engineers who consult with the architects. Hecho Sechadarim, this is Bracious Rabbah Parsha Aleph, how the rooms are made, Hecho Sepish Pashin, Kachaya Kadish Baruchu Mabit Batara. Ubarah Salam, Baruch Hu looked at the Torah as a blueprint, as plans 
and use that to create our world. Quotes the Pasuk in the beginning of the Torah, Bereshis bara Elokim, Kodesh Baruch who created the world Reishis, Ein Reishis Ela Torah, Reishis is a nickname for Torah. So these two Midrashim, the Medrash Tanchumen Vayelech and the Medrash Rabban, Reishis Rabbah, attest to the Torah as a blueprint for the creation of our world. Torah contains the entire set of intelligence, of wisdom, of science. Everything that our world is based upon can be extracted through the Torah. Which, of course, begs a uh, very, very interesting question. Based loosely on Chazal's statement, Even if a person believed that the study of science and nature and biology and chemistry and every other aspect of science were important, perhaps those fields did not have to to be studied frontally because everything can be extracted from Torah. Hafachba. Because any bit of important information, important, uh, silly science, I mean, not trivial facts, but simple, insignificant knowledge, but anything of value can be extracted from the Torah. So why, as it were, wander or stray from pure Torah study in the pursuit of parallel knowledge, even if that parallel knowledge is important? One can claim parallel knowledge isn't that important, or certainly isn't as important as Torah study, but even if it is important, it could all be extracted from Torah. That was more or less the approach of the Vilna Gaon, who valued all these fields, but was able to extract them from his Torah study. Now, the counter-argument would be, maybe in theory it can be, if you're a Vilna Gaon. Most of us are not Vilna Gaons. And most of us need the assistance of works which directly articulate these areas of thought, these areas of knowledge, assuming you place value on their pursuit. But everyone, both those who support parallel study, those who don't support parallel study, everyone has to concur that fundamentally it can all be derived from Torah. Because Torah was built on the blueprints, the Torah served as the blueprints for the foundation of our world based on these two psukim in Mishlei Perichas and in Mishlei Perikimah. The second part of that Medrash Tanchuma is not just that Torah predated the world or Torah predated Harsinai, but there were two different names for Torah, the pre-Harsinai name for Torah and the post-Harsinai name for Torah. And obviously when there are different names applied to something, they're not just names, but their faces and functions. So Torah as we know it, its name before Harsinai was not Torah. Its name before Harsinai was Amon. Whereas after Harsinai, it transitioned into being called Torah based on the mitzvahs. So we just assume for granted that Torah is Torah, and we assume for granted, so to speak, that the essence of Torah are, are the mitzvahs, not the sole essence, but the ultimate essence of Torah is to know mitzvahs and to perform mitzvahs, and the two are inseparable. Obviously, there are different dimensions that each enjoys independently, but they are literally, literally inextricable. But this word Torah, which suggests mitzvahs, either numerically because of the numeric affiliation between the word Torah and 613, not just numerically, but even syntactically and etymologically, because the word Torah, Torah means laharot, to teach, to teach, to, to issue a harai, ruling. For 2,448 years of history, Torah was referred to, and even before then, obviously, as Amon. Now, it was an Amon because it served as a blueprint for our world, so from a scientific or cosmological standpoint, Torah played that role. But it wasn't just the role of Torah in enabling the creation of our universe. That's prehistoric. Right? The Medrash, the same Medrash in Bereshis, talks about Torah 
Kadma Lekisi Tara predates Lekisi Akavot. Quotes in the Pasuk in Mishle, Paraches, Hashem Kanani Rishis Darko, Rishis Darko, Tara existed even before the Kisi Akavot, right? Kisi Akavot is not a Kadosh Baruch Hu, but it is some representation of His presence in our realm, in our universe. And Tara predated that. Presumably, uh, Tara was created according to this Medrash. It's hard to really frame this Medrash in scales of time because we're not discussing human time, but there's a sequence here. First comes Tara, then comes Kisakavit. First, Akadosh Baruch Hu establishes his will. And then Akadosh Baruch Hu generates some representation of his essence in our world, the Kisakavit. Was another positive in Tehillim, Parasadi Gimel, Nachon, Kisacha, Meaz, suggesting that something predated or came before the Kisei Akava, Nachon, Kisacha, Meaz, before the Kisei came to her. And then probably a, a more well-known Medrash, Tara Kadma Libriyaso Shil Olam, Tara predates the actual creation of the world, so here we can sink our teeth into where the Kisei Akava's creation is something that you and mine can't really grasp or penetrate, but the creation of the world is an event that we can at least describe and consider, and Torah predated that. And Rish Lakish says it predated it by 2,000 years. Again, those 2,000 years have to be taken um, as uh, not exact and precise in our timing frame. Um, Torah predates the creation of the world. So on the one hand, before Harsinai, Torah was this body of knowledge, of wisdom, upon which the world was created. But even once the world was created, even before mitzvahs became normative, even became even before this body of wisdom became Torah, it was an amon, it was a guide for human conduct, a teacher, taught people how to live proper lives. The others were able to mold and shape their lives morally, ethically, and historically based on the perceived will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even without the normative sense of mitzvahs. And this seems to be the, the way to read the Medrash, that there's a role to Torah even without mitzvahs per se. Now, obviously, we believe, we have to believe, that mitzvahs didn't just appear out of nowhere, out of context. And that's why we have various statements in Chazal and allusions in the Torah that the others were involved in some form of Shemir mitzvahs. Some would take this very far. Some would claim that the continuum of mitzvahs is undifferentiated. And the Avos were involved in the same level of details of mitzvahs, the exact level, every single halacha, every single sifkatan that we are. Take, for example, a very famous sefer, Sefer Klechemda. Um, it's a sefer written on the Parsha Sashavua, but it rewrites Talmudic discussions, very, very um, minute, um, specific, detailed Talmudic discussions and questions into the lives of the Avos, and indeed not just the Avos, but even some of the Secondary figures in Barashas, the Paros, the Eliezers, the Lavans, the Esavs, they were all operating not just in a general field of halachic awareness, but they actually knew the Ktsels and the Nesivos and the Rambam Shita, and they were applying these various svaras. Another extreme application of this is the Beis HaLevi's application. It sounds strange to us, but the Beis HaLevi claims. We think that we eat matzah because the Jews left Mitzrayim on Tesvav Nisan. So we eat matzah to commemorate, to remember the hasty or rapid exodus. Beis Halevi claims the opposite. If Torah really predates the world, then before the Jews left Egypt, there was a mitzvah to eat matzah because the Torah was already written. So the mitzvah of Erev Tachlu Matzah was written before the Jews left Egypt. So in fact, history evolves because of the mitzvah. It's not that we eat matzah because we left Egypt on the Tesvav Nisan. We left on Tesvav Nisan because there was already 
a prior mitzvah to eat matzah on Tesvav Nisan. So the timing of Tara before the creation of the universe can lead to some very, very extreme, not who's to say they're wrong, but some very extreme positions. A more moderate position would say that Tara does exist before the world, but not necessarily the Tara that we know, not necessarily the normative nature of Tara, not necessarily every level of detail that was revealed or that evolved later through human development. And this Medrash in Tanchuma, Parshas Vayelach, may suggest a transitional effect of Torah. The Torah goes through two names and two stages, and there may be differences, not antitheses, or not the opposite. It doesn't if Torah changes from black to white, but Torah becomes a moral, it, it starts as a foundation for the creation of our universe, predating the creation of our world by 2,000 years, and predating the Kisya Kavod. It is referred to as Amon, based on the Pasuk and Mishle. And then in Harsina, it becomes Torah, which becomes normative, a system of mitzvahs, a body of mitzvahs. So, seeing Torah beyond our realm, beyond just the revelation of Harsinai and the commandments which occurred at Harsinai, in the past year I talked about the longevity of Torah beyond our world and our experience, and this, these Midrashim talk about the value and the function of Torah before our world as we know it, or our reality, certainly the post-Harsinai reality, emerged. The ancillary, or the consequence of this first statement that the world was founded on Torah. And one of them is, of course, that every world or every aspect of knowledge and science can be derived from Torah, I mentioned before. But a secondary consequence is based on a Pasuk in Yermia. Pasuk in Yermia, in Paraklamet Gimel, states as follows, Ko Hashem, Im lo brisi yomam v'alayla, if not for my covenant day and night, the laws, the systems of heaven and earth would not have been installed. It's a very interesting Pasuk, describing the immutability of the natural system. Certainly after the Mabel, we believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu established a covenant with man that the laws of nature, of science, of physics, the seasons, the general environment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed us within would not be so violently ransacked in such a almost apocalyptic upheaval, but it would continue more or less in the stable, uh, predictable fashion that modern science has been so capable of charting and of maneuvering. Not for my covenant, day and night, my covenant sustains the world. However, the Gemara in Nidarim takes this a little bit further. Amma Rabbi Eliezer, Nidarim daf Lamed Beis, Gidola Torah. The word bris signals that the Pasuk in Yerniah alludes to Torah. Gidola Torah. She'elmale Torah. For Torah, lo niskaimu shamayim va'aretz. If not for Torah, the heavens and earth would not be sustained. Shenemar im labisi yamam valayla chukos shamayim va'aretz losamti. Now, this could mean many things. Least of all, or the most, the the least chiddush, the most minimal idea, is that it's some expression of what I stated earlier in this year. 
that this is a causality. If not for Torah, there would be no purpose to create the world. Because just as the world was created on the blueprints of Torah, the purpose of our world is that Torah should be studied, Torah should be embraced, that a, in general, historically, a human community should embrace the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and display that will and reflect that will. So, for example, the very well-known Medrash in the beginning of Bracious, the extra hey, Yom Echad, Yom Sheni, the each day of Bracious is referred to as day one, day two, day three, day four, but the sixth day is referred to as Yom Hashishi, the sixth day, not day six, but the sixth day, with the extra hey, Yom Hashishi. So the Medrash explains, and Rashi quotes this Medrash, Malam Hisna Kadosh Baruch Hu Bracious, a Kadosh Baruch Hu as it were, signed a contract, struck a deal with creation, with my Sibiratius. And he told them, well, I will complete my activity on this sixth day of creation, but the universe will be lying in suspended animation until a subsequent sixth day will develop. And that's not the sixth day of creation, but the sixth day of Sivan. Until that sixth day, everything is suspended. As we would say, all bets are off. If a human community decides to embrace the will of God, then the world will continue. But if Chas Hashem, the human community, would deny and reject that offer, and no humans would recognize God, then there's no purpose to creation. Or as the direct language, a much more um, foreboding language, ominous language in the Medrash, Im Yisrael svarim, if on the sixth day of Sivan, Am Yisrael accepts the Torah, Mutav, that's great. The Im Lav, Ani Machsir the world will be restored to chaos. There's no purpose for our world. That's why the day of Av Sivan was a day that had so much cataclysmic activity because it's almost as if the world was being recreated. You read the description of Nesina Satara in Shoftim Perakeh, the copious water, or the, the, the overflow of rivers and of seas, and there's a cataclysmic nature to Av Sivan because it's almost like a reconstitution of Maisebratius. Or another medrash based on the pasuk in Shir Hashirim, Shokav Amudei Sheish, that um, his um, his thighs are like Sheish um, would be marble. It's describing the male personality in Shir Hashirim, but this is of course everything in Shir Hashirim is an illusion and a metaphor. Why is Torah referred to as pillars? They're the pillars of the universe. There keeping the world. So this this could be seen at a minimal level as causality. Namely, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to create a world so that Torah could be accepted. And that one moment that Torah was accepted, the world was validated, and at least according to the Medrash and Breshis, not just validated, but consolidated. Yom HaShishi. But the Rambam writes something that's a little bit more than causality. The Rambam in Hilchus Talmud Torah, Perak Beis Halacha Aleph. Moshivin Malamde Tinokos Bechal Medina Medina Bechal Plachu Plachu Bechal Ir Vair. You have to hire Torah teachers in every city, in every village, in every town. Any city that refuses to hire Torah teachers, they are ostracized, they are excommunicated, they are pressured until teachers of Torah are hired. Shein Ha'olam, the Rambam writes, Miskayim, the world can only be, can only exist, can only sustain itself, Only through the Torah study, 
uh, children. Rabbi is talking about children. It's only based on this Pasuk and Yermia. Chazal's understanding in the Dharam of this Pasuk and Yermia. Almost like a very graphic Gemara, Hevel Pihem. It's almost as if the Torah, the the, the, the breath of the Talmudic Chachamim, directly sustains the universe. And of course, the author, to most prominently highlight, to accentuate this definition of the Gemara Nidarim, Il Malay Tara Lanuskai Mushemaim Varetz, the Pasuk in Yirmiya, Im Labrisa Yama Valay Lachukoshemaim Varetz Lasanti, is Rabchaim Velazhen. Rabchaim Velazhen, primarily in the, the fourth Shar of Nefeshachaim, essentially takes this very, very literally. If there would be a moment without Torah study in our world, the world would collapse. It's not a general causality. The world was created. So in Shardala, the Nefesh Achayim, takes this Gemara, or based on the Gemara in the Darim, in the Pasig in Yirmiya, much further than the original Midrashim I quoted about Torah being the blueprints of the world, Kodesh Baruch Hu, takes a look at Torah, establishes the universe based on the wisdom and the science and, and the knowledge of Torah, Kodesh Baruch Hu's will, based on this Pasuk in Yermia, in Labrisi Yamam Valayla, not from my Torah, and verse refers to Torah, according to the Gemara Nidarim, Rebbe Leezer, Omer Gedola, Torah, Shilomalei Torah, Lo Niskai Mishamayim Baretz, Sarev Chaim Velazhin says, literally, that if Torah were to be, uh, were, to, were not to be studied for a moment, then the world would reach utter chaos, utter collapse. Again, much further than that Rashi in, or the Medrash in Bereshis, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's purpose for the world is that a community should accept Torah, and in a general sense, in a macro view, a community has to accept Torah in order to lend meaning and, of course, longevity and durability to our world. According to the Nefesh HaChayim, based on the Skimara in Nedarim, it's a minute-by-minute proposition, not a general orientation of the world towards accepting of Torah, but a minute-by-minute proposition, which is why in the Yeshiva of Velazhin, they took this very seriously. In the Yeshiva of Velazhin, they would arrange shifts, and boys would learn Torah in the middle of the night, early, early, into the early morning, and that would be their shift, because Velazhin, the great Yeshiva of Velazhin, which Reb Chaim Velazhin, who wrote the Nefesh HaChayim, launched, Took, took this challenge as their responsibility to sustain the universe, not just our world, but as Abchayim Velazhin writes so often in Olam Asalyonim, all the spheres, the entire cosmos, everything after Baruch Hu created, depends upon whether at 2.30 in the morning, Abchayim and Velazhin will be sitting in learning Torah. Now, uh, in our day, of course, Baruch Hashem, there are enough Jews scattered throughout the globe learning Torah that we can approximate the Velazhina process without having to demand the Velazhina routine, the Velazhina schedule from any particular yeshiva, Baruch Hashem. Jews have spread all over the world, and Torah has spread into all the nooks and crannies, and it's probably true that there aren't times in which Torah isn't being studied, times during the day. But this is a Chaim Velazhina extending the Midrashim, describing Torah, as the foundation of our universe, and even extending that Rashi and Bereshis, which describes the need for Torah to be studied or to be embraced in order for the universe to have meaning and not to be restored, as the Medrash says, to a state of Tahu Vavahu, this is a more, um, a more extreme position, a more extreme representation, based in part also on that Rambam and Talmud Torah, She'en ha'olam miskayim ela behevel pihem shal tinako shal base rabban.
Now there's a third, um, there's a third manifestation to this notion of Torah as the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and its role within the organization and sustenance of our universe. The first, of course, that it serves as the blueprints, temporally, chronologically, it predates history, predates Kisi HaKavod, it is the blueprints of our universe. Secondarily, or second of all, that active Torah study, or at least active Torah embrace by a nation is necessary so that the world should be sustained, the world shouldn't fold in on itself. But there's also a third element. And I, you could call it an internationalization of Torah. If Torah is, in effect, the foundation of the universe, not just a document and a set of laws given to a certain people in order to enrich and to redeem their lives, it has universal application, has cosmological foundation. So then it has relevance to a broader audience, to the audience that shares that universe. And not just the human audience, but a living audience. Anything living, or not just something which is living, anything which is part of our universe is dependent upon Torah. Now, of course, one aspect of that, which I'll hopefully discuss in a different year, is are Goyim expected to learn Torah? And what role does active Torah study have for Goyim? The very fact that a Kodesh Baruch who shops the Torah, offers the Torah to an international audience at Harsinai based on the Midrashim, suggests that at some level Torah was intended for a broader audience. Practically, historically, parts of Torah, parts of Torah Shibachsav, the moral aspects, the Aseris Adibros, the Decalogue, has been embraced as the cornerstone of ethics and morality that govern most, at least of Western and Islamic civilization. That's for a different shear. <clears throat> but at the very least, we'd expect there to be some interplay or interactions or appreciation some recognition of the value of Torah amongst an audience that doesn't study Torah, amongst a Gentile audience. We typically don't think in these terms. But for example, there's a very nice medrash in Tanhuma, in Parshas Truma. It doesn't talk about Torah per se, but the same sentiments are echoed in other places about Torah. The medrash says that if the nations of the world knew what went on in the Mishkan and the Mikdash, in part it talks about the Korbanos, which were meant to sustain the world, but in part the Torah which was centered, which was positioned in the Mikdash. So instead of destroying it and attacking it and burning it, as unfortunately historically occurred, they would surround it with guards and sentries and because they would realize that the Torah that a Jew studies actively sustains a world and delivers prosperity to a world that a Gentile inhabits and lives in. And if only they understood, if only they appreciated the value of Tamatar. A pasuk which uh, Chaim Velazhin quotes in Nefesh HaChayim, Tupzuk, in which he feels conveys this. Entire world, Kol will see the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu upon you. And as I mentioned in a previous year, Shem HaShem, in the literal sense, means the name of HaShem. And one interpretation of this pasuk is a reference to Tfilin, somehow Tfilin, Shorosh in particular, which upon which is engraved the Shem of Hashem, the Shin and the Dalit, at the very least, the two letters of HaKadosh Baruch Hu have some impact upon a broader audience. But Shem Hashem also is a metaphor for Torah. The name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Torah. The, the name of something is the way you access that item, and the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is his Torah. So Chaim Velazhina writes, for example, 
how wonderful and valuable, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from the original, it's written in a sort of Aramaic language, the original people, those who study Torah are so valuable that even when there's a, a danger that's afflicting the world or a plague, and the Malach HaMavis, the Malach HaChabala, the angels of destruction have been given the ability, the authority to wreak havoc. Those who study Torah are those who protect the world, and they should be valued by a world for fending off or avoiding whatever potential disaster could have occurred. So based on that Pasuk, the Nefesh HaChaim reaffirms the value of Torah even to a non-Torah study, or even assuming a Gentile isn't meant to study Torah, even to keep Torah. They're meant to appreciate the role of Torah in sustaining a broader reality, not just the Jewish community and the Jewish historical arc, but Torah study as it's meant, and not just in delivering a code of morality. I think most, most people would not need the Nefesh HaChaim to appreciate the value of Torah in establishing a moral foundation, a monotheistic tradition, so many overt and explicit ideas which Torah innovated. But at a more mystical level, if a person, let's say, would be studying an intricate picayune tosvos in the middle of Bav Metziah about the laws of contracts, which would have very little seemingly to do with morality in the general sense or with uh, monotheism, the fact that a person is uncovering a Kodesh Baruch Hu's will in studying Torah makes Torah more regnant, more lightened in our world and makes the world more prosperous. Or as the Medrash Rabban Vayechi commenting on that Pasuk that describes Yisachar, the Shevet, the tribe which was typically um, a tribe, a Shevet which excelled in Torah study. And part of that excellence is conveyed by the metaphor of a robust donkey carrying a load, the load of Torah. The Medrash says the Perosav, the fruits, of Yisachar were inordinately large and juicy and, and well ripened. And whenever Yisachar, according to some Midrashim, wasn't Yisachar who traveled in the high seas, but Zavulan traveled in the high seas, but certainly those peros were displayed to a broader audience of sailors and, and, um, and businessmen and importers and exporters. People would be shocked. And the, they would re- people would say, how, how did you get peros this size, fruits so ripe? And again, either Yisachar or Zavulun would respond, you're shocked by this. If you go back and see the people who own these fields and the way they study Torah, you'd be shocked, you'd be pleasantly surprised, favorably shocked. And the Medrash concludes, and you'd automatically convert. So here you see a Medrash which a person is converting. Again, there's, there's a Shalolish Mile because they see the size of the fruit and they see the physical and material prosperity, but they're able to trace it, and they're able to see that it's a product of the Torah that people study, and this presumption is those potential converts and those sailors and commercial um, uh, individuals who were favorably shocked or moved by the fruits would be able to trace it back to Torah and appreciate the importance of Torah. So this is really a third aspect which emerges from this concept that Torah doesn't, isn't just immortal in extending beyond our realm and beyond our reality, but predates our reality and serves as the foundation for our reality. The expectation that Torah is meant to be appreciated, if not studied, but at least appreciated and understood as a global force of prosperity and appreciated by a broader audience.